Gotta turn off that ding. Ding-a-ling does cause me anxiety. It's a children's song, damn it. Wonder how long until you start getting push notifications from your genitalia. Depends on how tight your pants are. You can have like a stretch receptor in your yeah. carotid region. It's called a strain gauge. <laughs> it's good to know. I think technically it's a plethysmograph. No, a strain gauge would be what you want to use. No, the plethysmograph is what they actually use to measure tensile um, changes in the penis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's often used in like <clears throat> sex studies or Did studies for arousal for yeah. psychology and biology. Don't ask how I know. Don't ask how I know. <laughs> Just stop now. Plethysmograph is an instrument for measuring changes in volume within an organ or whole body, usually resulting from fluctuations in the amount of blood or air it contains. The word is derived from the Greek plethysmos, which is increasing, enlarging, becoming full, and graphos, to write. Well then. It's really important that our audience be scientifically literate and be aware of these things. Interestingly enough... This uses a mercury in rubber or indium gallium in rubber ring or electromechanical strain gauge. <laughs> strain gauge. <laughs> knew it. Full circle. <laughs> I knew it. See, aren't you glad we went down that uh, particular rabbit hole? No. no I am. Nope. It's no, science. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, right? Hi, and welcome to another episode of Hobbit in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Dan. Mike. Steve. And fuck Ward. Moving past that. (laughs) Um, So, it's been a couple weeks since we recorded. Yeah. Which has meant that I've had more time to hobby, so I get to sound like Mike for once. Um, I get to sound like Ward for once. (sighs) And Dan gets to sound like Steve for once? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I did do 40K. And it was a few models that you basically took to completion. What? No. At least one. Two. Well, one of them, I, I don't know if I... did the, the. I can't remember if the second guy was finished off on the previous episode. <laughs> or, or if you finished off the two since the last episode. I've just finished off so many guys recently, I just can't <sighs> keep track. Yep. Speaking of which, track. what did you finish up, Dan? Uh, Primaris guy from the Raven Guard. Pri- Primaris Power Fisty Sergeant. Oh, yep. Yep, I know him. And then I dropped him while varnishing him, because he popped off the masking tape. Did he shatter? I only broke into like four pieces at like 1 a.m. on a weeknight. <clears throat> That's so that, not good. That kind of ruined my fucking day a little bit. I have to say, I've been using uh, plastic cement a lot more lately. I quite like it. Because the plastic stuff, a lot of times, I mean, you're never, you're never breaking it apart. But I don't often break my models apart. But I mean, falling off the thing onto like concrete, I don't know. Would have been a little bit fucked up anyway. Maybe. I'm also a big fan of super glue because that's, you're basically saying I'm okay with this breaking here. Because if it's got spiddly bits and it falls off and it's with the plastic cement, typically it's going to break in like the middle of a part instead of at the joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just me. Either way, he bashed his face in on the ground, so that was touch up city. But not on the white. Thank God the white paint on the model was all intact. Nice. It was just like the bionics and some of the other areas got like smashed up. So it's like 
okay, I can work with that because it's like bulk on metal in a wash and like just don't look at it. But uh, yeah, the white survived intact, so that was good. Nice. Um, and aside from him, um, there was the second Smash Captain who may or may not have been discussed on the previous one, um, and um, also a Devastator Squad. So a mix of the pre-Heresy Mark III and Mark IV. Um, they won't be getting the two-for-one free bullshit stratagem stuff anymore, but they're cool models. And uh, being the intelligent human being that I am, kind of bleeds into my shut up and take my money, but I don't want to forget about it. I did, in fact, buy a box of Dev- Space Marine Devastators for the legs. So I will use zero of the weapons. Oh, dude, I have three boxes. Uh, you only have... Used. You didn't have them the last time we talked. <laughs> I have all the ones because I needed. I needed to get two. De- I only have two. I thought you gave them to Jamie though. Oh, fuck! I did. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's why I had to go buy it. Mm. But yeah, that's why I Steve. had to. I had to. Yep. Had to. <clears throat> but yeah. So, but devastators for the for the legs. Speaking of which, do you have any Vansars? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> do you need the shields? <laughs> Maybe. Do you need the hammers? Uh, I've already converted one of them. Fuck. Okay, I need to buy a box of Vansars. <laughs> They're not expensive. I know. Yeah, they're they're like, not too bad. They're, they're pretty affordable, and they're a really cool kit for bits as well. So Nice. But anyway, that, that was my, my hobby, and was Raven Guard. Yay! All right, Ward, how about you? Ward? Uh, you just yeah. called Steve Ward? I know, Ward? it hurts a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, it's rather painful. How many bits did you clean? I <laughs> None, actually. Uh, since we last podcasted, I'm pretty sure I... If we talked about the Blood Bowl model, I started painting up a Blood Bowl model. Is it a, a rat? Yeah. It is. We talked about Paul Blart a lot. I started painting him. Paul Glart? Uh, Paul Glart! Yes. Tom now, Tom now has him. He is airbrushed and the metal's done and washed. He looks like a giant poop. He does look like a giant poop, but that kind of fits. With a weird stringy bit of poop coming off, and yeah. it's surprisingly so like a surprisingly defining graphic. So like a dog that ate also some Also watch out for the, uh, the football fall off. Will it? Yeah. Should fall off unless the ink has dried it in place. <laughs> it's, it's structural ink. Structural. It might be structural ink down. That's it. That's been the extent of what I've been hobbying. That being said, I am. I have been playing three, four games a week right now. Uh, I'm. I'm in the Edmonton Dice League. I'm in a uh, the Urban Conquest campaign, and then I'm also playing like my usual couple of sparring games a week. So I have replaced all of my hobby time with just gaming, which I'm kind of okay with. Uh, like Kevin and some of those guys as well. Yeah, in the Urban the Conquest. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is the Urban Conquest yeah. one. Gotcha. So doing that, and then yeah, just like Jamie and Dale, that kind of stuff. So it's been it's been good because I usually don't play this many games, and uh, yeah, it's been nice. That's me. He can fit so many chestnuts in his cheeks. Yes. That spacious. I'm spacious actually cheeks. super excited to paint up the uh, the warpstone football that's just got the giant bite out of it. It's pretty cool. Yep, nice. pretty legit. Mikey, how about you, man? Uh, mine's mostly assembly and base coats. I put together the uh, Delac, the Cawdor. I put together the two new Shadespire gangs. They're all... Put together, primed, and base coat and first wash. Nice. That's it. That counts. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all hobby stuff. Yep. Whereas I painted up three more uh, Cephalix overlords um, to get another unit of those guys done. Did another unit of uh, mine slavers. 
and then I did a unit of 10 steelhead halberdiers, and then I took a bunch of the old steelheads that I got years ago and got all the old paint stripped off of them, put them back together, got them primed, so that's a unit of Max unit of halberdiers, Max unit of rifles, Stannis Brocker, and Min uh, Cav. Got them cleaned up, put back together, primed, and did the airbrushing for the metallics. And then got the metallics done on the cavalry. So, yeah. That's pretty solid. That's a lot more War Machine than you've been doing lately. Yep. Yes. Yeah. There's the, what are they called? The little guys. The little guys that you had to paint a million of? The Grox things. The little, the, specifically. But the Grox things. Dredges. Gobber, yeah, yeah. The dredges. Yeah, grot thingies is what I just kept yelling. Like, you, like <laughs> suddenly you'd remember, I don't know, just shouting yeah. it at you. Yeah, well, I did another unit of those guys. Yeah, those, those guys are, like, fucking endless. Yeah, which is really great considering it's one pose. <laughs> uh, they uh, they are a little different. Some of them have drills and some of them have, like, different arms. Yeah, that's because I converted them. Oh, really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, that's yeah, terrible. It is, it is not an ideal situation. The model is only, oh, like, the models themselves come in a blister of three and they just have the gauntlets. But then the the mine bender unit has the gauntlets, and the mine slaver unit for the regular dudes yeah. have the like saws and drills and big knives and stuff. I fucking love it. But they basically just glue on almost perfectly in place of the gauntlets. I like that. So I had like three boxes of the regular ones, and I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna steal all of you. Makes sense. I like so, it. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, it's been this thing where. I've had a lot of projects that have been kind of in my house for way too long, and I've decided by the end of this year, I want all of the mercenary models that I own with one caveat, which is the high shield, the Rulik high shields, because they suck, and I bought way too many units of them when Mission was clearing out all of their war machine. Like I'm waiting until rules wise, they're just oh perfect. yeah, okay. and the models aren't great. Um, perfect, I'm, sounds I'm, like a perfect. <clears throat> yeah, it's really good. Uh, so I'm going to wait until they get a new CID for rules for the Rulix stuff. But otherwise, all my mercs are going to be done by the end of 2019. Nice. Solid. So, And that should have me with barring units from other factions that I can take in mercenaries. Probably around 80% of the faction done. That's pretty solid. I like that. So That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Cool. I think that covers everything. Should mm-hmm. I take about? my money? I feel like feel like that was super quick. I don't know. It feels like we're not we're not hobbying enough. I need to hobby more. Hobby <laughs> yeah, more. you're projecting here, dude. I am 100. <laughs> Mike, decent amount. Dan, not bad. By uh, me standards, amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I kind of you know I you dropped the ball. I Steve. dropped the ball pretty hard. Just, I'll, just I will give it. that. I will give that. I mean, a, a stringy poop poop man only goes so far. Yeah, I need to get some some work done. Shut up and take my money. I kind of alluded to it. Uh, mine's going to be a unit of Van Sars because I want them for conversion bits. That's it. Boom. That's me. Oh, God. I still got to get the... Was it Shadow Spear? <laughs> and the Loon Curse now. Oh, fuck yeah, because that's still a thing. Uh, yeah. There's some nice models in there. I didn't realize you didn't pick that up. Well, the Loon, yeah, Loon Curse is like new. It's being pre-ordered next weekend. Yeah. Oh, is it next weekend? It's the new box yeah. set that has uh, Sylvaneth and the, the Goblin guys in it and some new characters. I did not know. I thought it was out this this week. Well, Sorry. it's been at least six weeks since they came out with a freaking starter box, so they're going to yeah. come out with another one. Yeah. Like 40k, there's potentially one with Dark Angels and maybe Ultramarines in it. Which is cool. I like that. 
I like that whole like potentially <clears throat> sowing the seeds of another rebellion thing. Like the chapter is not getting along. Yeah, yeah. It'd be really good timing for the lion to come back and be like, "Fuck this, Gilly man." Well, do you think? Because uh, it's not I, the first time Gullyman's built another empire, and the lion was not okay with the first one. Do you think that Gilliman knows what happened? That the lion's still alive? That he's alive, and then also that he, they kind of turned to chaos? Um, I don't hey, really think hey, anybody no knows. Yeah, because no I, don't, I don't even think the dark Half angels. The I don't even think the dark angels know that the lion is still alive. Really? Because I conjecture. Think I think, and I was I was reading the, on, t- on Twitter because he's reading on Twitter the Rock on Twitter the other day. Yeah, the the keep the what are they called? The little guys, the Watchers. Yeah, they were the, the ones keeping them alive. Yeah. Well, no, but, no, no. Here's the real thing though. They need Sean Connery to bust him loose. <laughs> Welcome to the Rock. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> there will be memes and of Nick that. Cage <laughs> and Nick Cage. Yes, you got to have sure. both. But uh, yeah, there there was a Twitter conversation the other day where somebody was basically like, Dark Angels. Somebody tell me what is their deal. And like <laughs> the terrible question. Don't make that. Don't answer that. But like Gav Thorpe and some yeah. of the other Black Library authors started replying. Really, and saying shit like the Dark Angels have been lying to themselves for so long that like even they don't know that. Because um, basically they just told everybody, oh, some asshole chaos guy came over and blew up our planet. Whereas they blew up their fucking planet yeah. and thought they killed their Primarch. Yeah, because they wanted to like bury the evidence, right? Yeah, but like. They, it implied that they don't even know that the lion is still alive. And, like, I was never that in-depth on the 40K Dark Angels fluff anyway. Because, well, the Horus Heresy books for the Dark Angels were not great. And I just, they were never my faction, yeah. right? Uh, I just never really particularly cared about them or read any of the novels. But I, I assumed that some of the inner circle knew the lion was still alive. Yeah, but me too. when the authors seem to be implying that they think he's dead. That's interesting. I do like that. Yeah. That, anyways, that box set, yeah. You should get another box set. Shut the hell up, Steve. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't feed the fire. You know there's Ultramarines there's, in it. Do you know if there's a yeah an Ultramarines Dark Angels starter set, there's going to be new models for your Ultramarines? Yeah. I mean, probably just one more lieutenant, but I <laughs> yeah. mean, you, only, have, you only have like 14, so you need more. Do you have a Dark Angels army as well? Yes, I do. Oh, <laughs> shit, son. <laughs> Ooh, are they loyalists or traitors, though? They're Dark Angels. <laughs> They're both. Like, but are, is it regular Dark Angels or Fallen Dark Angels? No regular Dark Angels. Eh. What's the difference? It's a difference. <laughs> Ooh, hot take. Spicy Dark Angels burn. Oh, man. You're going <laughs> straight to hell, Steve. Did you know that? Yep. Okay, just wanted to double check, yeah. I can't wait for the interrogator. You know what? Actually, I've, I have to say, I think that the interrogator chaplains are probably the most terrifying things in 40K. Honestly, like if you were if you were at their mercy, that would be the worst. Well, that would actually be one of the worst. <laughs> their specialty is breaking veteran space marines. Yes, who are psychologically indoctrinated from like the age of children, and they are now thousands of years old. Yeah, like those guys would be tough nuts to crack, and they have a little black pearl on their crozius for every fallen that they have cracked in interrogation. Yeah, like they're they're fucking. In, the whole point is intimidation. Like, yeah, they're pretty cool. I do like them. Yeah, he'd probably just look at me and I'd be like, I will tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he'd still just do horrible, horrible things. Yeah, they kind of remind me in some ways of, like, homunculus, like, with their torturous tools and that kind of stuff that they carry around with. You know, like, th- that. Uh, actually, in all honesty, ending up in the homunculus coven's labyrinth would not be good either. Oh, my God. Do the, I want to do a Dark Angels army? That would be bad. Dark Angels would be cool. Very, yeah, very cool. I've got all this stuff. Very cool. <laughs> 
that's the danger of having like so many sprues of unused space marine stuff lying around. When when you finally convince yourself that one of them is cool, you're like, God damn it! I already own the models. I yeah. just need some shoulder pads, and I'm in business. <laughs> I think I've got like fifty or sixty marines with the with the robes too. So you, you already have a Deathwing army. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Really. Yeah, were they were finished? Finished or no? Just... No, they were. That was back when we had the staff mega battles, and West End was like, "We got to be loyalists." So like, you need a thousand point army painted up for loyalists. And I'm just like, I could have done Xenos or I could have done Chaos. I've been happy with either one, <clears throat> but you fuckers are making me do this. Yep, should have Death painted, Watch. Should have painted Alpha Legion and also Deathwing. <clears throat> Whatever. This is how much I care. Death and it was like right. I just got my airbrush, and I was just like, <laughs> was it a hand flamer? No, it was a hand flavor. No, it was that. It was that shitty posh VL. Oh yeah, I have one. I hate that brush so I much. I threw it out. I literally threw it out. I have no idea where mine is. It's probably in the garbage. Good. Uh, okay. FYI, don't buy that airbrush. Yep, posh VLs are bad. Get a badger. Did you have, did you have a siphon feed or a gravity feed? Oh, was it ever gravity feed? No, I, siphon. Sorry, it was, it was a siphon. siphon. Yeah, which is the worst. Yeah. Absolutely the worst. Anyways, uh, what were we talking about? Shut up and take your money. Oh, okay, uh, Mike, you, you good? We totally interrupted <sighs> you and just started chatting about the things you should yeah, buy. Yeah, you and just we kept throwing logs on the fire. Thanks, Steve. You're welcome. It's uh, Dan's turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, nothing super imminent where my focus now is a little bit more on getting some stuff that I've had in various stages of... Completion is too strong a word. No, this is taking money. Not <laughs> that you, money that you've started. Own. But uh, my focus has been more on finishing existing things, but part of me is also more and more tempted to just, like, fucking buy a 3D printer. Start fucking with that. Because mm-hmm. for some purposes, there's uh, there's actually some pretty decent, like, couple hundred dollar uh, filament ones that actually aren't that bad for terrain. And apparently the trick to that is sandable primer followed by texture spray. And if you're going to be dry brushing, like, a cement or other kind of texture over top anyway, yep. then getting the, the texture spray and then priming it, like, you basically get a dry brush texture, like, good to go without having to, uh, and, and you don't have to, sign, like, sand off all of the uh, individual filament lines that way. That's actually interesting, the idea of being able to print out, like, a building. Like, how big would these things be? You could do building. Uh, most affordable printers have, like, print bed sizes of, like, maybe six to nine inches kind of thing. But still, you could do a section of like uh, same sort of size as like the um, the ruins for uh, the old imperial buildings. Yeah, you could definitely nine. do stuff similar to that. I was I was thinking more along the lines of like six mil terrain. Gotcha. To be honest, um, of course, there's, be. A, there's a number of, <laughs> there's a number of companies that make well. In addition to the fact that like printing a 40k scale building would take like 30 hours. So like, but you're at work. You could just you know, <laughs> just constantly go. But uh, like, I do have a friend that um, in Manitoba that he's he's starting to do more three D printing stuff, and uh, like he's loving some of these like two or three hundred dollar printers now, where you're actually getting like pretty reasonable quality prints. And I think he might have actually just bought um, an any cubic photon like resin printer as well. Hmm. And I think he got I think there was like a flash sale on Amazon for like twenty four hours, and it was like three hundred dollars off or something. Nice. But uh, yeah, it's actually getting to that point of being like somewhat reasonable. So. When tax, you know, tax return stuff comes, it's it's like, hmm, do I buy that water heater or do I buy some sweet fucking 3D printers? You don't need water heater. No. It's fine. Well, I like my water cold anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Tom. So, here's the thing. Oh, no. Okay, well, what did I start? Um, 
when I think to myself of all the projects I should be finishing and like all the games that people are playing, <laughs> I like where this is going. My brain typically goes to like, don't start new systems, dumbass. What are you starting? Monster Apocalypse. Interesting. <laughs> okay. uh, Very nice. I picked up the starter when I was in Calgary about a month and a half ago, and I decided to order a bunch of the Lords of Cthulhu, um, which basically Cthulhu. Yeah. Monsters and shit from Roy. So they should be here in the next week or so. Nice. That's and cool. interestingly enough, there's a fuck ton of resin buildings for that game that actually be really good for Battletech. I'm not sure, to be honest, on the size of them. I've heard, like, two very different numbers quoted for, like, the actual size of them, and one sounded about right, and one sounded, like, batshit crazy too big. Mm. So I don't know which size they're actually going to come in, but... Depend- I probably would depend on the building. Different buildings are yeah. pretty wildly different in size. Absolutely. So... Either way, uh, Monster Apocalypse. Cool. Sounds good. That checks out. Yeah. yeah. Definitely can't fault you on that one. That's solid. And the models are cool. Yep. And the mechanics are really cool. And it's not fucking blind buys anymore, is it? No, it's because it used to be the like pre-painted blind buys, and now it's all you you buy the model you would want in a blister or a box, and the, the sculpts are fantastic. Um, I feel like anyone that's interested in like giant robot kaiju stuff... Or Godzilla, or apparently there's like King Kong apes, and there's a bunch of other shit that maybe I could convince at least one or two people at this table to get in. Shut up! <laughs> but it, it Mike is salty today. There's like Ultraman style, like assassin dudes. You just got your foot out of the door. Don't stick it back in, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> there's like Martians, like circa like fifties sci-fi. That that, that appeals. Cool I like that. They have, like, flying saucers and shit. I know. I've seen some of this stuff. It's just another one of those things where it's, like, I already have... Infinity is really... Like, I really want to work on some Infinity stuff. That is at the top of the list. And as always, I'm playing more 40K than Infinity. So... So, painting Smash Captains. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's tough. Like, adding another game in there is, is, yeah, totally tough. And the other thing, too, we talked about... As well, Age of Sigmar is actually something I kind of want to start in on as well. Like, I, there's just too many fucking games just right now. Play Flesh Eater Courts and you'll be fine. Yeah, apparently they're, they're real good. Yeah, they're like that. terrifyingly good. I, if they're ever not in the top two of a tournament that I see results posted for, I'm shocked. I have to admit, it's the Ideneth Deepkin. I really like those models. Yeah, they they are pretty neat. They're uh, do you think they're also one of the most unique aesthetic armies for AOS yep. right now? Yep. yep. I want their sharks, their shark uh, bikes, things, whatever, cav, I don't know what you want to call them. Uh, they're just too cool. The big fighting turtles? Fighting turtles. The f- uh, yeah, they're amazing. Th- I think that army came in second at the LVO or something. Second or third in the LVO. Sure. I have no idea. I don't follow. Yeah, no, it did. No, Trust me. It That's smashed the hell out of Paul Ting. Really? I don't know if you can, eh? Interesting. So well, here's the thing. Really so you can do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or right before you do that, <laughs> you, you could paint some Martians. You could paint some Martians as a palette cleanser, and then you have a little game you can play for once in a while and some sweet looking shit on your shelf. And the other thing that uh, you guys also have to remember is whenever I jump into one of your games after you talk about it for like eight months straight about you how never play it. You never played a game. I'm just starting to paint <laughs> Blood Bowl. That's oh, I'll still be playing Blood Bowl. That's not going away. You I've heard just this before. Never this finished off your stuff. What do you mean? I finished off my Sheltari. 
We played games. We played some games. Finished off Shaltari. Mm. Uh, I'll play more. I, I got some other stuff done for other games. What, what, what was that? And I have not played Dystopian Wars. Oh yeah, Dystopian Wars. That was a that was a real burn. But it's my Antarctic fleet. Actually, <laughs> the new one, the new edition, was called the Summer, and it's supposed to be a lot better. A are lot, we, lot better. Are we actually going to try playing Dystopian Wars again? It's All my ships are literally. If you had the thrown in the box. box. Yeah, whatever. Just saying. I play. Um, I play a game. Uh, your stuff, the other thing about Dystopian Wars is you did a hell of a job, Mike, on your Japanese fleet. That is one of my favorite things you've ever painted. That was fun. I liked that part. That one was super cool. Uh, the game was just not my absolute favorite. Well, I get it. Anyways, we should move on to the next segment. Why don't we talk about some Blood Bowl that I'm playing, Steve? Okay. So I played some Blood Bowl, Steve. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, I'm just concerned that I'm going to start playing this and then you'll move on to Monster Apocalypse now. No, Monster Apocalypse is always going to be a side piece. <laughs> you never replace your main piece with a side piece. Steve. What is your main game? Is it Blood Bowl right now? Um, probably. The game I play the most often is Blood Bowl. Uh, War Machine for me is always going to be fairly up there. Mike, how about you? What's your main game right now? AOS, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Damn, what's yours? Actually, you know what? I'm going to go money. No. I'm going to go Underworlds. I think my main one's really? Underworlds right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. okay. I've that with most. Yeah, none of the above. I, <laughs> I just, you don't play games. I feign playing games. I don't actually play okay. games. He just hobbies. It's his thing. Okay, so how'd the tournament go? Uh, it went really well. There was more people than last year's at a Red Claw um, being run by the Renegade Blood Bowl League, our local Edmonton League. This was their tournament. The unfortunately named Blood Diamond Chalice. Um... As and long as Leo's your TO. Sorry? As long as Leo's your TO. No, it was Damien. Okay, well, it would be way better if it was... Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. I painted up my goblins to play in that event. Yeah. And they were a ton of fun to play with. Nice. Like, holy fuck, goblin! Like, I... I don't think I've ever had a tournament where my games were more swingy one way or the other. Interesting, okay. Like, I, I played against Justin Gatner, and I caused nine casualties against him that game. And in the game before against Barry, I think I suffered eight casualties. Oh, nice. And then in the next game, I'm pretty sure I... Like, killed players su- entirely? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice. It was wild. Because aren't there only 11 players on the pitch? Yeah. But you That's have reinforcements. Solid. You have reserves. Not a lot. <laughs> True. I think, I think unless you're playing like Goblin, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's not I, ideal. Let's just say I won that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, and I ended up losing out for the Stunty Cup on tiebreakers, because I'm pretty sure I went um, two wins, one, two wins, two losses, and one draw. Nice. And the guy that ended up getting the Stunty Cup had the same record, but he scored a few more touchdowns than I did. That's pretty solid. So that was really good. It was the first time I've ever played Goblins. It was a lot of fun. They ended up taking home Best Painted. Nice. Um, which is fun, because they were the classic, like, third ed. Goblins, like the night goblin style. No, like the old school goblins that probably look similar to Second Ed. Um, Grotz, Gretchen. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like, I don't think I've seen that uh, painted army of yours for goblins. I know the style because you posted one on Instagram that I saw. Yeah, it's a team on Instagram. That team on Instagram. Did I just miss that, or is this so long ago that my? It's like forty-seven teams forgotten. ago. It feels like. I don't know. I've just painted a lot of Bumble teams. Yeah, totally. That's pretty solid that like you, so... Oh, well, that's right. It's just you didn't really post any close-ups. Yeah. So I, I kind of know what the display board looks like. Well, that was the cool thing about it, because that was a display board that was 
a magnetic display board that also was like a place to store tokens you could flip open and use as a dice tray. Yeah, a little briefcase situation going on. Um, so how many people were there again? You mentioned that there were more than last time. Yeah, last year I think it was 14. This year I'm pretty sure it was... 16 or 18. Nice. That's a solid number for Blood Bowl. Yeah. That's a pretty good turnout. And considering it was like two weeks after March Madness, which had 28 players. Yeah. And then we've got another Blood Bowl tournament happening this weekend. As long as the Blood Bowl tournament has more teams than the CFL, you're good. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, How many... So this... You, this was for the Wargaming GT, or is this coming up, the Alberta Wargaming Classic or whatever? The one coming up is the Classic. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I'm actually going down to that one for um, Friday is going to be War Machine Champions, mm-hmm. and then instead of playing in the like Masters event, I'm just going to play Blood Bowl. Nice. And then Sunday is the War Machine Team Tournament. So this, would you say, being a, a completely ignorant person here, would you say the scene is still growing, or is it pretty much plateaued? For Blood Bowl? Yeah. Oh, it's still growing. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing a, an increase almost across the board. Every event is getting a little bit bigger each year. Interesting. So, like a little bit bigger each year, or like quite a bit bigger each year, because it sounds like you're fluctuating at like fourteen to sixteen uh, sort of level, and it keeps staying there. Well, look at it this way: uh, last year's March Madness had eighteen players. This year's March Madness had twenty-eight. Yeah, that's big. Um, last year's uh, Powtown had forty players. This year already has 32 prepaid, and I haven't registered yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty solid. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if we were 45 to 50 for Powtown this year. Nice. Uh, which would make us potentially the biggest Blood Bowl tournament in Canada. That's pretty solid. Um, but when, you already, when you're having a tournament basically a month, we have at least one a month, and when your smaller events are still 12 to 14 players, and yeah. the bigger ones are the 30 to 40 range... Yeah, I mean, that's something <clears throat> the 40K community couldn't sustain. Right. With the, with the brawlers and all that sort of stuff, right? So, considering it's just Blood Bowl, and you're, we're finding more and more people are getting either into it or back into it, yeah. because it had a lot of steam, you know, 10, 20 years ago, <laughs> and then... ten A decade or two. Back, back when it was a supported game by the yeah, company. Yeah, weird. But it never completely died off. There was always people yep. playing it, yep. and then with... And as we know, Mostly Dead is still somewhat alive. Yeah. Correct. If he's mostly dead, you want to just check his pockets for loose change. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're still growing. It's it's awesome. Uh, it's good to see. We're getting um, some faces back into it, like I said, and slowly getting some other guys playing. Like, you know, Mike, you came to your first tournament last summer. Mm-hmm. Steve, if you come out to a tournament here, that's going to be your first Blood Bowl event. And honestly, once you come out to one, it's pretty hard to not go to more. <laughs> Mike's looking at Monster Apocalypse. <laughs> yes! <laughs> This this podcast is is terrible. <laughs> I, I just know that he wants. Ooh, the Martians—they look good, right? I'm just saying, they look really good. <laughs> just a bunch of enablers. That's all we are, Mike. You're not helping, Steve. You're glaring at me, <laughs> but you're causing me problems as well. I Those look good. <sighs> Anyways, we're completely off topic now. Or on topic. Anyways, the Blood Bowl is fun, and I'm looking forward to playing again this weekend. Um, this time, I'm going to be actually proxying my um, Cephalix and Drudges as a vampire team. Cool. So the Cephalix will be the vampires, the Drudges will be the thralls. I like um, that, because we were talking about this, it makes it easier to transport the for the two events. Yeah, like, exactly. With Blood Bowl, you can kind of get away with, like, uh, these are the general pieces. There's not a lot of... Well, there's, there's variation in the team, but it's kind of obvious what things are, so... Yeah, uh, and it's, it's going to be pretty clear at that point, and it's going to be fun, you know? Totally. It's a good way to help 
like check off a box for my NAF 24. And the neat thing is none of them have weapons. Like I can just have the, the gobbers with the fists yep. and then the Cephalix just have the weird, like fucking Fabius bile shit coming off their back yep. and then just bare hands. Yep. So perfect. They should be, uh, you should have like a plus one to catch with them with their like extra little weird stunty hands. Well, they are edge four. So oh, there you go. I'll believe you. I don't, I don't can't call you on that. <laughs> I think I don't know. I've never played vampires before. Okay. Come on, NAF 24. So what was what was Ward? Wasn't Ward playing vampires? Was he playing two? No, he had cameras. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they are not that agile because they're no. mummies. No, they're kind of the opposite of agile. They're one of the least agile teams. Okay, in the gotcha. Game. It's another team that I'm interested in. I like the camera stuff. If you like beating the shit out of stuff, they're your jam. Yeah, but do you win games or do you just kill stuff? Well, you win games, but it's kind of like a... So if you play your Skaven, it's going to be winning games by scoring more touchdowns than your opponent. If you're playing Camry, it's going to be winning games by grinding them to a pulp and scoring one touchdown and your opponent scoring none. Interesting, okay. So it's like that really unending slow tide versus gutter runners just being like pew pew pew, pew and pew, hope pew. they don't go squish not gonna lie it's gutter runners sound more interesting to me oh totally more my play style yep okay that's the thing about Camry. like even when the rules are thematic for Camry, they're usually boring i really liked my kalita gun line that was that that's was boring a, as fuck though that was a fun list because you had actually super expensive skeletons that were not amazing in combat and then you had to like plug lines and like deal with stuff with chariots I thought it was actually a super fun list yeah. to play. But the the, tradi- the traditional Camry fantasy and AOS, or I guess not AOS, AOS doesn't anymore. Really, they had that brief like weird mustache rule era. Yeah. Um, <laughs> AOS list, I think. But you know they they were they were a very static army, usually very grindy. Yep. Which again, not necessarily fun. Oh, I'm staring at my Camry right now, wishing they were cooler and still acknowledged in the universe. My eight chariots and my tomb uh, tomb guard that I was painting up, and then they blew up the universe literally <laughs> as I was painting them up, and was like, "Oh, cool!" <laughs> in the big survey, I yelled at them to bring back Cetra. So they knows? better. I don't actually own Cetra, but Kalita should come back. I kind of want them to come back as living again. I well, Cetra, Ooh. if he comes back, I see him coming back as like big um, like Celestine Prime swirly guy because he's going to be swirly. Yeah. magic-y, because yep. everything is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think if he does come back with an army, it'll probably be like in the model of like Nehekaran um, like mythology. That'd be amazing. I would... Like, I the, would Morgai, like the Morgasts before they got yeah. turned into the Undead Ones and stuff like that. I think that'd be super cool. Oh, and yeah. Maybe have like a unit of Tomb Guard as like... Oh. Whatever, like ancestral guardians. They need to put the, the tomb guard back into production. The tomb guard were such amazing yep. models. Bring back one or two units in the old range, and then redo the rest. The tomb guard. Was I so think that'd be cool as hell. Anywho, anything else to add, Tom? Or are we just, as usual, in the spirit of this podcast, completely off topic? Well, the only other thing I have to add is that I'm, I'm having a really hard time not buying goblins. Okay. <laughs> you just what? painted a goblin army for AOS. Oh, oh. Like, and by goblins, you mean squigs. Yeah, 100% I mean squigs. Did you, Mike, speaking of which, Mike, did you pick up that mangler squig, the giant one? No, he's painted up for us. Oh, fuck. Oh. You need to bring him by. Oh. <laughs> I want to see him. <laughs> um, that is the, one of the craziest models. Is there, is there a way you could do a squig team for Blood Bowl? Yeah. But here, okay, so. Those hopper squigs. I'm going to tangent <laughs> us a little bit. The, one of the coolest things about Blood Bowl is considering the community has not been supported by Games Workshop for the longest time. And really still isn't, because there's no, like, official organized play packs or rules sure, or yeah, anything. Yeah. The, the Blood Bowl community is really open to 
use whatever the fuck models you want. And so, like, I've seen a guy whose team was, like, minions things from the, like, Walmart dollar machine whatevers. That's awesome. Because that's just what he wanted to use for his team. Oh, yeah. Yep, you do have it done. So, <laughs> you could totally do a team of squigs. Although there is actually a squig character, Mad Migs, which isn't a squig character. Technically, it's a goblin who's controlling the squig from inside it. <laughs> like oh. pulling, pulling on its like internal organs. Yeah. Like okay, that's well, pretty awesome. Isn't one of the squig models like? Doesn't it have like a goblin in correct like, fully inside its correct? Mouth? Yes. So that would be an excellent use of that miniature, I think. Yeah, but I told myself that I can't buy any of the <sighs> the Moon that's Clan so cool. stuff until I paint up two thousand points of forty k orcs. So I got to stick to that rule. So speaking of forty k, we should segue into the. Big FAQ. So it was so big, not really. Yeah, it was a decent size. But if you were under a rock, uh, the FAQ that we've been waiting for has come out. GW is upping uh, upping their game. It was a day before the end of the month. It wasn't several weeks after the end of the month. Yeah. So they say it's going to come out in April. It came out April 29th, not thirtieth. So good job, GW. Well done. Um, all in all, it's pretty much I think what everybody expected. So. Um, one of the things that I actually found in here that I thought was really interesting is they clarified a lot of things. So right off the bat, um, something that they should have clarified way earlier, the wobbly model syndrome side of things, they straight up call out like, what the hell are you guys doing? This clearly isn't like a rule for abusing model positioning. It's like if your model's going to fall over and chip, use a marker to put it there. If it physically can't fit, like the base is just barely on the edge of a yeah, lip or something like that, you can't place a model. It's not so that you can like tiptoe on the head of a pin. Yeah. It's so that if you're placing a model on a slightly uneven surface, it doesn't fall down. Uh, but what I love about it is just GW's tone. We're a bit surprised by all these questions. Is <laughs> literally a sentence in there. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, I kind of, one of the reasons that I find that interesting is I think they're actually taking the tone of the game. Like, you can be competitive, but at the same time, like, that, what the hell are you doing? Like, that sort of, like, from the manufacturer, that sort of questioning tone, I think, puts a lot of, like, the win-at-all-costs sort of stuff on the back foot, if you know what I'm talking about, or what I'm trying to get at. Um, anyways, they clarified a couple things like that. Um, edge of the battlefield, disembarking. Um, <clears throat> they brought back in Fly in the charge phase. So you can jump over screens if you have fly. Also, if you have flip belts. So Harlequins, that took a huge nerf, are back. So one of the things, before we breeze over it, that I kind of found out about after the fact. So what some people used to be doing is they would charge units that had a really good overwatch. Yep. With a transport with models in it. Yes. So that yep. when the transport exploded... Yep. The models would come out and then charge. Yeah, because you just kept you kept uh, the charge phases. You nominate a unit to charge, and then after that is resolved, you nominate the next unit. So, so that was a common tactic against Tau gun lines, right? So now GW's just like you cannot charge, charge after you get out of a vehicle. Period. That's been destroyed. Yeah, in your turn too. So you, there's certain. Yeah, yeah, like if the vehicle moved, yeah. you're not. Yeah. Basically, you're not getting out of it. Which yeah. honestly. I kind of thought that's always how it was. Uh, yeah, I never knew that loophole existed because I don't play competitive bullshit 40k. Yep. Like, 
credit, I guess, for coming up with that loophole that's fairly ingenious. Yep. But declaring charges on stuff that is wildly out of range in the hopes that somebody accidentally kills you and gives you a free charge, yep. that's kind of fucked up. Just to be clear, like, you could always charge out of a transport, right? Like, you could disembark and then charge in if that turn. If it didn't move. Uh, well, before it, it, it moved. Yeah, before it moved, because then yeah. it can move away. But now you just, if you disembark from a destroyed transport, you cannot charge that turn. So it's very uh, unambiguous. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean... And that's kind of, for me, the tone of the whole FAQ, where a lot of it's just stuff that seemed kind of loophole-y, seemed kind of weird. Aircraft move blocking is the next point on here. Uh, That's always been weird. A plane at 30,000 feet dropping bombs on you suddenly blocks you from moving is a weird one. I mean, you still can't end your move on the plane's base, which is totally fair. So people are hobbying up crazy bases for their planes, doing cool stuff. You can't just, like, place your models on their painted models. Uh, I think that's just a nice... But being able to move through it, it's fine. Totally. Uh, They are big bases, so you still can do some weird stuff, like units not being able to fully complete their move, but it's pretty much solved in my mind. Um, The interesting part, the part that actually I think uh, gets a little bit more fun, bolter discipline. Official. Not for vehicles, only dreadnoughts. Yep. And Um, has to be in a Stardis model. Yep, totally. Yeah, well, that was the case before, but they did clarify they're not going to be adding it to Astra Militarum or uh, Sororitas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, Death Watch, uh, which used to be crazy with yes, that. because their special, special ammo does not stack with Bolter yep. Discipline. Yep, which is good, because they were getting to be a bit absurd. Uh, well, there were a shitload of people online where they're like, I need all the Storm Shields and Storm Bolters on the planet. Because mm-hmm. that is just going to be my entire army. Because in chapter approved, storm uh, storm shields went down in cost massively, from like <clears throat> five points to two or something ridiculous. Uh, so basically free. <laughs> uh, tactical restraint, tactical, tactical reserves—they're back in for um, official rules. Um, where we get to the fun stuff. So uh, imperial knights, maximum four plus involved for rotate iron shields, which is huge. Absolutely huge for everybody that used to play with a Castellan single super heavy auxiliary. You take uh, Ion Bulwark Warlord trait and then you rotate for a three plus plus, and then you feel terrible when you do like three wounds to a Castellan and it shoots you off the table. Still can do that, but a four plus versus a three plus is like if anybody that hasn't played with the three up involved versus a four up involved. There's a reason people yeah. take Storm Shields. It's yeah, a it is big difference. Bigger. Yeah, way the difference bigger. is Storm Shields are typically on one or two. Point or one or two wound models. Well, and like five characters now have like five plus wounds. Sure. Yep. But yeah. still, five versus twenty-five. <laughs> twenty-eight, I think, for a castellan. Twenty-eight. Yeah, castle to twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, twenty-eight wounds behind a three plus invol is crazy. And while we're while we're still talking about the castellan, the other thing that's important with that too is it went up a hundred points. Yep. You got to pay for them guns now. Yeah. So it is a solid seven hundred and four point model, which um, I mean is. The, the armies that were doing really well with the Castellan, you got to figure out, do you want to take that Castellan still and not take the Bulgarian countercharge unit or whatever you're doing with your brigade? Like, it's a lot harder to get solid units in a guard brigade now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the offensiveness of the Castellan is still there. Like, if you take a Castellan, it will do 700 points of damage, which is kind of what should happen. It was just way out shooting itself beforehand. Well, yeah, when it was 600 points and even harder to kill. Yep. Whereas it still has a use now. Well, the one of the most, like, 
noob-stomping lists I've ever played against, and it destroyed me. And I mean, like, I can't imagine somebody new to the game being like, wait, you can take an army like this? Two Castlins, a Valiant, and a Min uh, Admech uh, Battalion? That's a thing you can fit in the game. Uh, now, with the two Castlins, you can't do that anymore. So you can't get the Min Admech Brigade. You can still actually take the two Castlins and the Valiant, and I think it all works out. Um, but you're getting no CP really, right? By yeah. the time you take all your relics and that kind of stuff. So, and you're not going to win on the objective game. So it's still a terrifying list and you're probably not going to kill a lot of it, but it's not as bad as it was. Um, also more sort of sane stuff they're doing. Uh, Gene Slayer cults with their psychic power that could basically one shot stuff. If you roll a six for your leadership uh, benefit with that, you break free and you don't get auto one shotted in certain cases. Same for grab death grip with the death grip. Um, Just stuff that makes it where you're not as just automatically killing shit. Yep. And last but not least, um, well, I guess there's three sort of small things. Uh, The assassin stratagem went up to two CP instead of one. That's good. And you can only use it if you have no assassins paid for in your army. Yep. I like it. So you can't take, you can't get a fifth assassin with your CP. You have to have no assassins or four of the same type, four of Indicars or something that people were apparently doing, which is pretty gross. That's a lot of snippers. Yep. Um, and then orcs, no more mob up um, for anything that isn't a boy. Yeah, which honestly, there's a lot of people that are really crying, oh, woe is me because of Ludas, but <sighs> fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, 15, seriously. 15 Ludas is still crazy. Yeah. Right? And I mean, it just means you got to play the orc army in a slightly different way because you also can't mob up out of reserves. So you can't do the crazy thing where you have a unit like within three inches of like an auto charge kind of situation and then you mop up a big unit behind them. Well, and in all honesty, for me, the biggest thing about a lot of these changes, and especially the orc ones, it's like people were kind of, when they were playing 40k, it wasn't like they were playing 40k, they were trying to break 40k. Yeah, I mean, that, like that, is, that is the gamer mentality. You can't really fault people too much for that. No, but anyone that's getting super butthurt about these, yep. just play the game it's supposed to. It's... I've always kind of been a rules as intended guy. Yeah, I'm with you. As opposed to rules as written. And it seems like Games Workshop is really clarifying towards rules as I intended. Agree. I 100% agree. I think I think they're kind of like, they're, they're just, I mean, writing rules is hard. They're missing these things when they're writing them. They aren't totally paying attention to every single little thing. Like, they, these are, in my mind, like a software company releasing a bug. Yeah. They're just patching it. It's a mistake. And there's never meant to be a thing. And there's potentially reasons for that. There have been discussions mostly in the AOS community that... The playtesting group, at least for AOS, um, the playtesting group is apparently primarily players that used to play competitively and used to be tournament goers, and they're not really as active anymore. Yeah. So they're like not necessarily looking for all the right things, just because like they've been playtesting for ten years, even if they're not as actively. Yeah, I, don't I mean, know, life situations change. It's all volunteer yeah. work. So if you're not actively in the tournament scene, but there was definitely a campaign to get them to try and turn over more of their playtesting staff so that they could get more yeah. current top-end players that could actually potentially do a better job of finding the, the loophole shit. Totally. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's an aside for sure. The the last point is Craftworld psychic powers now only affect Craftworld units. So you can't doom something and have your Talos or whatever reroll to wound against it, that whole thing. Yeah, so it's only Inari units that get to... Uh, as your Annie. As your Annie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I hate all these stupid names. Just call them Eldar. Drakari as Durani. <laughs> the old Eldari, names that I understand. And then Harlequins. <laughs> Still don't have a name. <laughs> no, they do. It's Harlequins. Har- Harlequani. 
They're not. They're not become Harlequin exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean the the FAQ is I think again people kind of saw it all coming. A points increase for the Castellan, cleaning up a lot of little in- rules interactions here and there. Oh, there's um, one more interesting one. Hmm. Um, regardless of what codex it's coming from, a certain unit type is always going to be the same for the rule of three. So you yes. can no longer yeah, have yeah. three Death Guard Demon Princes and three Thousand Suns Demon Princes and three Chaos yep. Demon Demon Princes. Same thing for like heavy weapon squads from you can't the Krieg list or from yes. the Imperial the Imperial Guard people, list or whatever. We're taking yeah. twenty seven mortars because they have a Krieg and Elysians and a guard mortars, uh mortar for heavy weapon squad. And which is cheap as shit which is stupid. It's not that amazing. People were like thinking it was some sort of amazing, you know, indirect fire. I think strength four. It wasn't that crazy. It's just it, nine demon princes is dumb. Yeah. And it's in all honesty, it's a nice. It's just a reasonable change. Like I, I look at this and everything I'm seeing is actually pretty fucking reasonable. Yep. Totally. Redressing balance in the game. Um, I don't think there were really like, I wouldn't, I hesitate. A lot of people online are immediately looking at like, who's the winner and loser out of the fact. Um, common sense. Yeah, <laughs> the winner's common sense. I, that's what I kind of come back to is I, I don't. No, no army is unplayable after this fact. Like it's not like the. I played a game last night. We played with the new um, castle and points, uh, and the four plus max uh, ion shield stuff. I still lost. It was a. It's not like that unit is unplayable. No, it's it still does all of the exact same damage output that it used to. Yeah. He just, just has, he's down a Redemptor Dreadnought in his list now, uh, the guy that was playing. So it's, yeah, it's one less thing that can hold objectives. So you just have, you have a better shot against it. It's more balanced, I, but it wasn't like, it was a way closer game than usually uh, is when I play just my pure ad mech. So it's good. And I'm sorry, anything that makes soup less aggressive makes me happy. And so yep. Eldari or whatever the fuck. Azurani. Azurani. Yep. Um, psychic powers only affecting Azurani models. Yep. I'm okay with that. Yep. I, I totally agree. Uh, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, Dark Eldar have a bunch of ways to get rerolls to wound, right? With, with um, I can't remember the name Being of the stratagem. Being Dark Eldar. I can't remember the name of the stratagem, but uh, all Coven's units have a stratagem to reroll everything. So if you really want to have your Talos reroll to wound, just throw that stratagem on them. Uh, I mean, it's not that crazy. Uh, and it also doesn't potentially fail. Like that stratagem is yeah. actually pretty good because you you're guaranteed to get it. Outside of Agents of Act, dispelling stratagems is not really a thing. Yeah, so unless you're playing against other Dark Eldar. Oh, uh, yeah, and also uh, Agents of Act, you actually need a full detachment, not just a Cabal the Blackheart unit anymore. So you actually have to take at minimum a patrol with an Archon and a uh, Cabal squad, not just like a Venom. Yeah, <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And so I mean, a little bit of a, a mini nerf to Vect, but I mean, it's already four CP. Um, anyways, yeah, so all redressing balance issues. Uh, I'm interested to see the Canadian uh, Wargaming or Canadian 40K Championships is this weekend. At the Southern Ontario Open? Yeah, it's a it's a big tournament. Like, I think they had over 100 players last year. Okay. Um, I'm interested to see. It's the, the big first big tournament after the fact. So I'm really interested to see what, what happens and who's on top and what the lists look like. Um, I'm really hoping that vehicles come back into the meta. Because, I mean, nobody was taking any well, vehicle because the Castellan. Yeah, the Castellan just, like, leaf blowers them off the table. Yeah, that Volcano Lance is absolutely nuts. Every single turn you're deleting a vehicle, and, like, a good vehicle, too. Like, 160-point Dreadnoughts are just gone. 
Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see what happens there. What do you guys think? Anything of note? Anything change for you? Well, as a guy that's currently painting fucking Space Marine Devastators with heavy bolters and missile launchers, I want my broken flying babies back. True. That is Got fair. rid of my two-for-one <laughs> flying baby bonus. Yeah, resurrecting the flying baby was... So <laughs> yeah. Using an apothecary to get your flying baby back to get more free shots is pretty stupid. Yep. But... Doable. Again, like, totally makes sense, the changes that they made. The, the two-for-one stuff um, for some of those combos was a bit much. You're painting up Smash Captains, too, and they can now jump over things again. True. So Blood Angels aren't just screened That's out good. of oblivion. But cause it is funny that those guys I started painting after they got nerfed, and then finished painting them, and then they got better. Where it's like the complete opposite for the Devastators, where like I just got them primed. They'll still be good. <laughs> yeah. The Devastators will still be fine. And like in all honesty... How long is it going to be before they're finished? Six months? Yeah. That's when the next FAQ is. True. But I'm actually painting Raven Guard right now. Those are the only things on my painting desk right now are all Raven Guard stuff. Oh, shit. Okay. But the other thing to note here is... And about 8,000 Spruce. (laughs) (laughs) But like five Raven Guard models. But the other thing to note is... This is this is kind. If this is the new direction for GW, I mean, new. They've been doing this now for like two years with Eighth Ed. Um, paint up whatever you want. They're gonna redress it in six months, and it'll probably be playable. Other than Grey Knights, don't start Grey Knights. <laughs> <They're> still <laughs> terrible. They are real bad. Hey, do you want guys that suck and are like a thousand points a guy? Yep. Play Grey Knights. Yeah, they're just uh, they need a new codex. But anyways, that's, <laughs> aside from that. Um, like, Admech were in a really bad spot, and then they got basically fixed with some points balance changes. Uh, Blood Angels got nerfed because people were a little bit worried about it. They realized they went too far. They swung it back a little bit. Now Blood Angels, I think, are in a pretty decent spot. Um, I think, you know, Chaos is doing well. They're winning tournaments. Um, Custodes are actually doing okay. They're still in the in the mix. Orcs are right up there. and I They're... Think Flying captain on banana bike guys will be a little bit happier to get. Uh, exactly. They're charging over enemy units again. Exactly. Yeah. Then there's like the, the one other powerhouse, though, was the Yanari. Yeah. And I guess moving on to that whole thing. So um, the Yanari uh, Codex comes out in White Dwarf this weekend. Um, of course, it's been uh, previewed quite a bit online. Um, the Yanari are dead as we knew them. However, I think they Which do is have appropriate. A yeah, yeah, they are the Army of the Reborn. So the biggest thing for anybody that hates Yunari and really didn't like the double action crazy Soul Burst shenanigans, Soul Burst is completely different. You, if you kill a unit or a unit, not even if you kill a unit, if a unit dies on the table, all Yunari units strike first in close combat, and if they charge or already struck struck first, uh, they can they get plus one to hit. So they don't get free out of sequence phases of bullshit. Yep. As someone who only ever played against Yunari, <laughs> I fucking love it. Because that mechanic was possibly the most salt-inducing mechanic that I've ever encountered in 40k. Well, it's it's the same thing as the Lizardman in ALS, where the idea of somebody else getting like free phases or free turns and you, there's fucking nothing you can do about it is frustrating as hell. Yep. yep. Um, so, I mean... And it's not even like they're pegging Pikachu to have it happen. <laughs> it's true. It's what? true. <laughs> Seraphon. Oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I'm not. Let, I'm not letting that die. <laughs> I had just purged that from my memory apparently, and now it's back. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so the other thing, um, 
about that, though, is I'm actually a little bit torn. As somebody that did play Inari a lot, they kept nerfing Yanara, soul, uh Strength from Death into, like, absolutely oblivion um, to the point where it was, like, not super amazing, and they kept raising uh, the points on units that really took advantage of that. So now they have not... So now your Dark Reapers are overcosted. Way overcosted. I mean, they're like I said, they're 340 points for a unit of 10 without the Tempest Launcher and the Exarch, right? So they are... I mean, they're not going to do much to... Even with the nerf to a knight with a 4++ by the time you roll the hit, and even with Doom and Guide and that kind of stuff, like the average amount of damage you do from that unit is something like 12 wounds. Now, Steve. Doom Guide Jinx. But this is the thing where it's really cool. Wait six months. Yep. And all of a sudden, the Dark Reapers are going to make more sense in an Eldar army because they're going to be able to get to be costed more appropriately again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think... Uh, I think it's kind of... Well, I don't know about that. The other thing, too, is Eldar have had so much hate directed against them for so long. The community's been crying about Eldar being OP, right? So, yeah. But the the, honestly, for me, one of the biggest problems with with Eldar is that there's so many different units that can be combined in so many different ways with different special rules. Their soup is possibly more egregious than... The Space Marine soup was, yeah, or like the 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 Imperial soup, yeah, because there was just so many different ways, and the fact that the Yanari existed gave you a way to combine the other shit where they got to all benefit from similar kinds of rules, which it just it made balancing any one of those pieces individually yeah. impossible, impossible, totally. I agree. And so I think- now, hopefully, because the Yanari stuff is not as completely fucking bonkers as it used to be, yeah. You're going to be able to see them start being able to balance those units within their codexes a bit yeah, more? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, when you look at the Yunari benefit, um, like the strike first and plus one attack kind of thing, or plus one to hit, it's not really any better than like the Alaytok craft world benefit of like minus one to hit. Minus one to hit is good. But it's but it's still a good ability. It's a good ability, uh, for sure. Like, I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. I'm not sure that Yunari are going to be top tier by any stretch. Like, I'm... A little bit torn on that. And what's really interesting, too, is I think the factions that benefit from being Inari now have actually completely switched, where it used to be Craftworld Eldar or Inari. If you were taking them as Craftworld Eldar, what the hell were you doing? I think now it's take, like, witches and that kind of stuff uh, as uh, Inari, because strike first always with witches is pretty cool. Uh, And you can't Doom. um, Like, witches were really good with Doom uh, and their plus one strength as Cursed Blade. But obviously now you can't get Doom on Witches. There's actually no way for Witches to reroll to, to Wound, except for Yanari Stratagem. So Yanari now have 17 new Stratagems, uh, and they're kind of all melee-oriented. Like, so I find that kind of interesting, because like your Craft World units, all uh, a lot of them are typically more shooting-oriented. Like You've got your, your planes, your um, fire prisms, uh, dark reapers, that kind of stuff. This is all like way more guaranteed or or directed towards um, close combat units. Do you think you might start seeing a few more banshees and striking scorpions? I don't. Maybe it's interesting. Like the banshees thing, because they're always going to get the plus one to hit. That's kind of interesting, but at the same time, like there's stratagems that make them 
would make that really good, you can't use. You can't use the Unari or Azurani stratagems. Like the, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's on sixes to hit, you get extra attacks. Like, that doesn't exist anymore for Yunari. So I call that the Dystopian Wars rule. Yeah, exploding, exploding sixes, sixes, but yeah. only ever once. Anyways, um, yeah, so I mean, like, that's good, but your strength three, you do have sort of a pseudo-doom. Uh, I don't know. Maybe? I mean, if you knew you were playing against Tau all the time, Banshees are still the best, because they ignore Overwatch. But they're just kind of useless against everything else. But yeah, it's... Like the the it's kind of always been the same thing. We're striking scorpions, like if only they ignored armor, and howling banshees, if only they had a higher strength. Yep. But independent of those factors, they both are kind of shitty. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there's a bunch of new stratagems, uh, a bunch of new warlord traits, um, a bunch of new psychic powers, um, and the I mean, word of the phoenix is now uh, basically instead of soul burst psychic power, which everybody was terrified of, you've rain casting and then double shooting reapers. And then fire and fading your reapers into cover and not being able to shoot them back. Now you get one unit back, one model back of either an infantry or biker squad and cast them a five. So again, like it's an infantry squad. Like what are you what are you really reviving that's that amazing? I don't know. Yeah, it's not gonna be the same as double tapping on ten man unit of reapers. Yeah, totally, right? So there's a lot of stuff here that's kinda I think people need to digest. Um I think um, Yunari uh, Autarchs on bikes are going to be incredible because um, they have a bunch of relics they can take, some really cool shit, um, like having damage basically can get like a shield eternal um, with like a feel no pain built in. Uh, they have a crazy good sword. I think it's good. I think it's going to encourage people to play. Like I'm a Harlequins player. I'm a um, Yunari player. I'm a Craftworlds player. Like I think you'll see instead of like being an Azurani player and they're really trying to push pure factions now you'll have to decide, like, do I want to gear my entire force around Yunari? Because really there's no reason to sort of mix and match as much as there used to be. I mean, maybe still with uh, splashing in a few characters, but whatever. It's interesting. Interesting time to play 40k. Definitely seems that way. The models are still pretty. They're still very much supporting the game and seemingly, again, trying to douse it in fucking common sense. Yep. As much as the community tries to drive it in the other direction sometimes to their personal benefit. Yeah, I but that's natural. I mean, whether it's board games, video games, yep. you know, intramural sports, whatever, people are going to yep. look for the loopholes. It's just what people do. Yep. And I, you guys are totally right. I think the, uh, the fall chapter approved update for points is going to be huge because I really honestly think, like, you need to have Dark Reapers go down five points a model and probably the same for Shining Spears. Uh, to bring them back in line. And the other thing, too, is my favorite model in all of 40k, because I love the way it played, the Incarn is still 337 points and doesn't have double actions or fight twice in close combat. When you look at the regular Avatar, is 220 now, and that thing is 110 points more, basically. It's kind of like, ugh. What am I paying for? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And the regular Avatar can also take choose its warlord traits this one's now set in so that if uh if it benefits from strength from death um you get plus one strength and plus one attack so it goes up to a a very awkward strength seven which i always find kind of funky like strength eight is always useful in my mind strength seven versus strength six is kind of like well there's not a lot of toughness seven units in the game really well especially now with the cat well you know what maybe maybe there will be with the castle going away because a lot of the medium sort of tanks are tough seven right Mm. so Maybe we'll see, like, rhinos and chimeras back in. I don't know. 
It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's definitely possibilities. We'll see. But again, hope, hopefully there are some more vehicles in the meta, because, yeah, it's you see nothing but infantry, the occasional plane, and yeah. knights. I want to see orcs and vehicles. Orc vehicles need to be a thing. Like battle wagons with Ludas, because now you can't mob them up, so throw 15 in a, in a battle wagon. That's yeah, awesome. except the only downside of that is that Ludas are one of the only heavy weapons in the orc army. Yep. But they're also, they die real fast, so having them in a battle wagon for that first turn when they don't... Just are, put Gretchen in front of them. True. That's a good point. <laughs> I forgot about that whole thing. Grot shields. 60 points for 20 Grots in front of them versus... Hundred and some points for the battle wagon. Yeah, true, true. Very good point. The battle the big thing that I'm right. really excited about and will be in the army is three units of tank busters in uh, in trucks. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think again, it comes back to right now. Play whatever the hell you want. I, it's pretty much playable, uh, and I think you'll have a. It's going to come down to player skill, not list building skill. That's kind of the dream. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's a little bit of a lie. You still need to have synergies, but it's uh, its way more balanced. You can really take anything and sort of make it work if you have, like, a couple of characters you've thought about. I think that kind of wraps it up. Yeah, I think so. So let's move on. Uh, complete uh, change of gear here. I kind of had this thought the other, the other week when I was in at Michael's uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do for my display board for the Goblin team. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally in my head, I was looking for, they used to have these little metal, it was probably like 10 inches by six inches, like a little metal tray. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll pick that up and just magnetize them to that and whatever else. They didn't have them in. So I, I was just kind of wandering the aisles for a while trying to think of like, what can I do? Like what, what are my options here? Cause they have that great section in the back with all the stuff that's like pre-cut wood or wooden boxes or whatever else. Um, there's also like a ton of balsa and other supplies, and so I just kind of want to talk about. Excuse me. Normally, we think of our hobby products coming from your local gaming store or Games Workshop or a train store or something like that. But yep. there's a lot of stores out there that'll have a ton of great supplies for you that might actually be cheaper, uh, maybe more accessible. Because mm-hmm. there's going to be some towns that might be more likely to have a Michaels than a train store. Yep. And ways that you can get different, actually usable products there. So, Michael's, first off, you can get almost everything you need there. They've got a pretty wide range of brushes. They don't really go up to the Series 7s, but you can get a decent brush there. Um, The quality of their, like, acrylic paints and brushes is probably not as high as I'd like. Yeah. Yeah, so the, some of their um, ranges for certain things has diminished a little bit over the last couple of years yeah. as well. I mean, they are more geared towards canvas painting, which is a complete... Absolutely, thing. but a lot of the Michaels do also carry, like, the plastic model kits, yep. so your X-Acto blades, um, super glues, like, those kinds of things you can find yep. there. Something that I really like in the pre-cut wood section is they have all kinds of different sizes of little pre-cut pieces of wood, either for doing scatter train or objectives yep. or stuff like that. It's all typically only a couple bucks, and it's already pre-cut and ready to go. It's cheaper than buying a jigsaw. And a lot easier to yep. cut th- than cutting that stuff out, right? Yeah, and having a workbench and that kind of thing and yep. dealing with that. For a lot of people that either don't have the confidence to use tools without losing their fingers, yep, or um, just if you live in an apartment and don't have a garage. Yep, totally. Like, are you going to go work with a like, table saw on your balcony? I don't know about that. Uh, jigsaw over the sink works well, but that's a different <laughs> story. 
Yeah, there's also tons of different options for display boards. You know, they've got all kinds of different sizes and shapes of the pre-beveled, um, what would be kind of like a display board Like style. your chicken one and your pig one. Those were cutting yeah. boards, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. The pig one was good. That was well done. But no, I mean, like the trays and that kind of stuff, you can get like, the IKEA trays are, well, they're kind of cheap-ish. There's other trays out there that are a little bit nicer. Yeah. Um, and you can find them at all sorts of random places. Uh, speaking of which, this particular tray, HomeSense. Yeah, they can uh, see what you're pointing at too. Yeah, this particular tray is just this reddish, um, like, serving tray. I don't know, it's just a different color of wood. Um, but the point is, HomeSense has a lot of weird little knickknacks, that kind of stuff. You're looking for scatter terrain, um, different sort of random supplies, that kind of thing. You you can usually find that at HomeSense. Something to think about. Yep. Mike, you had one. Uh, yeah, I get all my uh, sheet metal from either, you get a, I think you get it at Princess Auto, I get it from tooling shops for machining, and you can use this to base on a tray, for example, yep. you can lay it across, you can paint over it, and then you put magnets on your minis, or whatever, and they will stick like you wouldn't believe to them. You're right? talking about like shim stock steel. Yeah, shim stock like steel. Super thin. Yep, yeah, it's really thin. It's And it's, light. Yeah, and it's light, and it's easily bendable and cuttable you can cut it with scissors you can bend it with anything yeah um, I, I know a lot of people that actually buy those uh, I don't know exactly what they're called they're almost like a big Tupperware uh, box and they glue the sheet metal to the bottom and then they stick their models in that and that's their carrying case yeah like the Rubbermaid yeah, yeah, yeah the Rubbermaid that's yeah. it right which I, I like a lot more because I've seen people do that with like a metal toolbox kind of thing yep. well, the metal toolbox is heavy it's clunky it, yep. I mean if you ever set that down on a model or anything like that, oh, it's just going to be crushed. Um, well, and if you wanted to be cute about it, you could actually put it not in the bottom, but actually on the lid. Yep. And then you just basically unclick it, almost like you would with a cake, like a cake um, plate that has the yep. cover. Take the, the large cover, which would normally be the storage portion off, and there's your display board. Yep. yep. Like, there's, there's lots of great options for that. Yep. Totally. Uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Princess Auto is a great one. Yep. Uh, they have a ton of stuff. If you're ever looking for like um, like doing like razor wire and scatter train that kind of stuff, um, you can just use um, uninsulated wire. Like if you get like uh, like those uh, rolls of just I'm trying to think of the name of the type of wire, like baling wire. Okay. And you just use that for scatter terrain or that kind of thing. Works pretty well. Also, one of the things that. I I didn't have for the longest time, but now I'm I'm never gonna have a hobby room without it. Little clamps. Yep. yep. You know, stuff to actually hold stuff down to the table um, while you're there cutting plastic card or balsa. It's just fantastic. The other one to think about too is if you can if you can hold the um, like balsa or uh, any sort of plastic card that you're doing like glue across the top of it. If you can hold it down while it dries, yeah, so it doesn't warp with clamps. I mean, that's a little bit harder to do if you've got the whole surface covered in glue, but it is it is nice if you can make that work so it doesn't warp like crazy. Yeah, because um, as certain as some types of glue dry, they do pull on the materials they shrink. PVA glue totally yeah. does, and I mean it'll bend like quarter inch MDF. Like it's it's got a surprising amount of uh, of warpage to it. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can honestly make the argument that any sort of like hardware store, any sort yep. of like home supply kind of thing. I bet you could even go to the grocery store and find decent stuff. 
depending or on what you're looking stores for. too. Dollar like, stores, great. Yeah. I if you have an afternoon, it's not the craziest thing in the world to just if there's a, a you know dollar store that you know has like a decent variety of these things, just take an hour or whatever and just go walk down the aisles and you know the nice thing too is if you find anything, it's cheap. Dollar store craft sections do exist. We used to paint all of our terrain with their gray and brown paint and their shitty brushes. Yeah, actually, I really love that dollar store paint because it's just, it's shitty. But if you're just doing terrain with it, it's like $1.50 for a huge bottle. And a lot of the colors are very similar to Scorch Brown, Goblin Green, Codex Gray. Like there's a lot of these colors that are fairly there's actually there, I swear to god I'm pretty sure they've got a scorch brown and a bestial brown um, <laughs> yep, no, I know equivalent we, right we use those in those giant squirt bottles yeah they're, yeah dirt cheap yeah I mean and the other thing too is most places that are of a like decent size usually have an art supply store like art um, canvas painting you know that kind of stuff you'll you'll get 90% of what you need to really hobby yeah Especially because there is kind of a movement. There's a lot of people that are using artist paints to paint their minis. It's a bit trickier for doing armies that way because you're probably... Color matching is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Totally. Um, But even getting stuff like brush cleaner at an art store. Yep. Or or a flow improver. And there's also the clear gels you can get there. Uh, There's... And inks. A lot of ink. People get their inks from art stores. Or like pumice gels, crackle gels, stuff like that for basing. Oh, well, the other thing that we completely missed were Hobby Night in Canada, Canadian Tire. Oh, fuck yeah. Canadian yeah. Tire has actually got a crazy <laughs> amount of stuff. You well, can, I mean, setting up, a, you can go to Canadian Tire and buy a gaming table, basically, like table legs, that kind of stuff, because they have yep. furniture-ish. Um, probably not as cost-effective as Ikea or that kind of thing. You can go get paint there as well. They got tons of paint. They have the whole automotive section, so they've got uh, actually decent primer, like the the sandable primers yep. are actually pretty good. The duplicolor sandable primer, which you can also get at somewhere like Napa or whatever, and it yep. might be, depending on who's got a sale on that week, it might be a little cheaper at an automotive Sand- store. Sandable primer, $7.99, even at Canadian Tire. Like, it's yeah, it's, it's cheap. cheap. Um, then you've got enough random knickknacks there to make a ton of terrain. And plumbing well, section for random pipes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's way cheaper than Promethean pipes. But uh, the other thing, too, is the... Well, that's um, actually a good point. One-inch... PVC pipes would be perfect, like the the PEX tubing. Yeah, yep. a lot cheaper. Oh, interesting. Just in some cases, you have to like sand off like <coughs> like uh, CSA stamps and stuff like that that yeah. are like molded onto them. You just, just cover it with said pumice gel. But that texture too. paint would actually yeah. probably do it. Yeah, that could do it as well. But uh, the yeah, thing I was suggesting was um, <laughs> there's a number of folks that go to uh, Canadian Tire type stores to find uh, cheaper alternatives to like battle foam trays. Because you can get um, like, like like Plano cases, you can get like some in some cases like the like the, the foam like gun cases and stuff yep. like that as well. Which in s- occasionally those are good ways to get your stuff stolen if you leave it in the car because a clearly marked like Games Workshop bag, it doesn't necessarily look like it would have valuables in it all the time. But like a gun case, if people think they're stealing a firearm, they're gonna steal your shit. But like the handgun cases are great for a Blood Bowl team. Yep. Yeah, it totally. just yeah, you just might have to be careful if you're taking it if you're going to a tournament and flying there and you're using a gun case to carry miniatures. Yeah. You might want to rethink that. <laughs> well, I I Cuz you might have some explaining to do to the TSA man. My Pelican case, the GW uh, Ard case or whatever. Yeah. I've never been through an airport on one leg of the trip where I haven't stopped. 
because Pelican cases uh, are often used to carry firearms. So, yeah. For what it's worth, like, I don't know if I've ever traveled without having to open up miniatures in yep. any capacity. If you're carrying, if you're carrying metal miniatures, you're going to open that stuff up. What yep. are these pointy, stabby-looking metal things uh, yep. in your bag? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's Warhammer, leave me alone, I'm a nerd. <laughs> still remember flying through to Toronto, took a huge bag of Bear Bray, which is a powder, and it was like a kilogram in my luggage, and there was the little tray of the ALF figures, and they're like, okay, sir, we gotta open up your bag, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's technically a powder, they can take it away, God damn it! And they just ignored the front pouch entirely and went for the like seven elf minis. And they're like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, put you on a red or uh, blacklist right there for having elf miniatures. That's the weird part for sure. Clearly, he is mentally unstable. He's bought a lot of elf miniatures. Oh, there's so many more. You probably got flagged when you made that purchase online. <laughs> Did by the manufacturer. <laughs> I bet you Cesis was just like, that is on the watch list right there. <laughs> well, the guy that made the moon sent me an email. He's like, so what are you doing? <laughs> like, thanks for your business, but... Are you okay? Yeah. Do you need a hand? Like, can I get you some support? Did you have a stroke and just, like, smash your face into the keyboard <laughs> accidentally by Alf? Like, 70 times? How many of those things do you buy? I think I've got about 18. That's too many. That's 18 too many. <laughs> because it was actually two separate orders. That's hilarious. Because <laughs> I think I bought like four or six, and then I'm like, fuck, I need to do a big project with these guys. Another 12 or 14. Let's do this. Fuck, okay, we need to we need to wrap this up. We're on We're talking about Alf. Oh, you have no idea how many more I'm ordering, though. <laughs> we they really should wrap this up. Really? Wait, what up? Why? Dif- different manufacturer. Somebody uh-huh. bought the molds and is using them for... I think they remolded some to do like, like isn't there like a football elf and like yeah, some there's other, there's legit like, ones already with blood bowl pads and stuff. On but they went so. up with the new the new uh, <laughs> store selling them there for more dollars. Yeah, it used to be two pounds, cool. and now it's four euros. You gonna make it? Four euros? That's ex- that's a lot. It's like what, like five seventy each model? Yeah, that, that's real money now. Yeah, five seventy Canadian. That's a lot. Still going to order 16 of the Blood Bowl ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because I want to do an ALF Union team. Yeah, yeah, of course you do. Yeah, of course you do. Because it's a pun. <laughs> yeah. It's good. <laughs> we, need to, we need to wrap this podcast <laughs> right um, now. But yeah, basically, like when it comes to tools, when it comes to train, when it comes to some of the supplies you might need for... Uh, sometimes for painting and in all honesty like a lot of us use a series 7 brush but if you can just get a half decent brush if it's only a dollar or two each and you're maybe burning through them every week or two it's not the end of the world no totally especially if it's for like terrain or base coating or other like less important hobby tasks the other thing too is a lot of shit to bases a lot of those really cheap brushes actually do have like they start out pretty good they just wear out fast like they It's it's not an issue of having like maintaining a point. It's maintaining a point over like a week or two. They start to fall apart real quick because the glue is usually cheaper in them and the ferrules worse and the lower uh, quality bristles, whatever else. But you can still get good use out of those brushes. Totally, hundred percent. And if the cheap as fuck, yeah, you can do worse. Yep. So, I think that's all I got. I could talk a lot about Unari, but I don't know what to say. Give it a bit. I need to play some games. I need to think about them. You need to play some games with them. Yes. I need to figure out how to make the end card still work, and then I'll have much more to say. <laughs> All that matters, that's the best model in the game. And I guess I'm painting more elf models. 
Okay, we like I said, we're both talking about like Yanari and Alf. It's bad <laughs> or good. We probably have like one viewer out there that's interested in both or one listener. And they might be the weirdest person in the world that's still listening to this. Yeah, but you know what? Fuck it. They're my favorite. Fair enough. Fair enough. <sighs> like, all I'm saying, if they're like, oh, yeah, Milmachians. I love that Alf Yanari content. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there that fits that Venn diagram. Should I make an Alf Yari army? No. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. <laughs> what are the conversion rules for the LVO? Rule of cool. If it's cool, it works. Do they have to be using Games Workshop models? No. No, they did not. Really? Use <laughs> Why are you helping him, Steve? Because <laughs> if, if it gets them to do a 40k army, that's cool. <laughs> like, not my thing, but it would be cool. You know what would paint up way faster than Orc Boys? Alpha Legion. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that would actually be incredible if you showed up and you were like, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with my friends and I thought they were Alf. They kept talking about Alpha Legion. Jeez. <laughs> that would be incredible. Oh my god. Oh, fuck me. That would be so cool. It's almost as good as Paul Glart Mall Rats. <laughs> I think this is better. I'm sorry. It might be Alpha Legion. And if you took it to that level where you had like 40 like Alphs and like kind of power armor. Yeah. And the Alpha Legion all have surgery so that they look identical. So having the same model over and over and over. <laughs> I am Alpharius. It's the Alpha Legion infiltrating the Malmachian homeworld. The no. Malmachians are just another planet in 40k. It's just near the Eye of Terror. It's no big deal. It would be. Yes. Okay, I'm going to put some serious thought into this. <laughs> How serious is this serious God thought actually going to be? <laughs> More serious than it should be. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so until next time, <laughs> this has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Mike. And I'm Steve. Hey, play some games, have some fun, paint your fucking models. One of our weirder endings of an episode. <laughs> <laughs>